0: Thank you. Welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And today on the show, we are joined by Slade Hocking, who is a real estate agent in Christchurch at Opus Real Estate. But he is also a very, very fine buy and flip and renovations focused investor. Now, I know you guys have been asking for a while, can you get some people who are really strong buy and flip or renovations focused investors on the show? Yes, we can. We're pleased to have Slade here. So what we're going to be talking about today is the touchy feelings. how Slade got into property. And then in the next episode, we're going to be talking about some more of the hard numbers on the projects and what he's actually doing. But he's got a great story. So what I want to start off with, Slade, is what sort of properties are you investing in and what
1: sort of things are you doing to them? Well thanks for having me first up Ed, long time listener of this uh, great show you guys have here. I do two types of strategies and they both have different results. So I do a buy and flip strategy where I go in, buy a property which is in distress, something needs to happen with it and then I sell it to make capital. My other strategy is buy and hold and I only do that with multiple door properties, so units, duplexes, things like that and that creates my wealth. Tell me, how do you manage the tax side of things? with those kind of things because you'd be tainted. Very good question. So with the flipping, I have a separate entity there which pays GST and tax, as you should. And then I have a holding company which is not GST registered and that's all for long-term holds. And those would be held for longer
2: than 10 years to make sure that you are outside of those tainting timeframes. So the tainting rules, as we discussed in a previous episode, basically if you become tainted and actually, funnily enough, I had an head of IRD property investigations at my house for a drink on Saturday night. This is someone in Christchurch, she's the partner of a friend of mine and so she came around and I had every question under the sun for her and so we were discussing different things and actually the reason this came up is because over the break I thought, well, I've got four weeks holiday, might as well fill that with some property deals. At the moment I'm in acquisition mode, buying up whatever I can for holds and look, any listeners of the show will say, Andrew, come on, you you say you, say you shouldn't do this and you've got to talk yourself out of this. I thought maybe it would be a bit of fun over the break for Lauren and I to go and buy a property that we could then renovate and flip and generate some money to pay for my pool. And so I started thinking about that and then I thought, hang on, now I'm going to taint everything. And so, of course, the decision was, no, if we're going to do these renovations, we'd renovate and hold, just purely because I didn't want to change in circumstance to eventuate in me wanting to sell some stuff and not be able to for 10 years. But the tainting, it's coming back to that. If you are transacting in property deals and, and you're flipping them, then until you wind up that company which is tainted, then you are a tainted individual and therefore anything else you touch is subject to capital gains tax.
0: Well, what I want to ask you, Slade is you're running two different strategies. Mm-hmm. How did you pick these specific strategies and what got you into property?
1: That's a great question. So what got me into property first, I think it was subliminally. I was surrounded by property without knowing it. So my parents are property investors. They own blocks of flats in Timaru and I'd go around collecting the rent money with them every Friday. What was that like? Interesting experience. The blocks of flats were um, with people of not the most desirable people. So we met a few characters there and we had some remember smelling the money. And it smelled quite um, a funny smell, which um, <laughs> yeah, use your Define imagination. Define that, there. the smell of meth. Um, oh, no, it wasn't quite then. It was back in the 90s. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, take from that what you may. What and did then, you learn from that part? Use electronic transactions. <laughs> <laughs> And also my grandparents owned motels and blocks of flats as well. So we grew up surrounded by that and a bit of a long journey. I am a classical musician, so I studied music for seven years. And studying music and property vesting obviously don't go hand in hand. <laughs> when I returned back to Christchurch, I teamed up some friends, some JV partners, which we'll talk about later on. They wanted me to find properties and I had a bit of a knack for finding properties. Being a musician, you uh, tend to have a bit of time on your hands, so I spent... <laughs> several hours on Trade Me and researching areas and prices and and medium rents and everything like that to get a real grasp on the market. So that's how I worked out what I wanted to buy. And from that, I ascertained that the difference in price between a three bedroom and a four bedroom was nominal, quite vast. Oh, quite vast. quite vast. Really? In Christchurch, probably three or four years ago. So my strategy was looking at a three bedroom home where I could add a fourth bedroom. I had the template in mind, which was a 140, 150 square metre home, Then I'd go in, put a wall up, ah, and do my thing. Right. So I had a template, 12 offers over a year, always got declined, but I stuck to my guns, I had my price, it needed to be sub 300, so that's going back a few years. But even still, sub
2: 300 in the Christchurch market, given the market has been relatively flat for the last few years, that's pretty impressive. No wonder you get so many knockbacks. Did any of the no's put you off, and then you suddenly think, actually, this is a bit
1: hard, I'll go to something else? Yeah, that's really interesting. So every offer that I missed, out on, I learned something and I thought, thank God I didn't get that property. Yes. And, you know, four or five offers in, you, you get knocked down. I thought, you know, I'll offer 15 to 20K, but that's eating into my profit out the other end. So I stuck to my guns and I was going to 12 to 15 open homes every weekend. So then I thought, you know, I need to get a bit more efficient about this. So then I defined it down to what exactly what I wanted. So when I was going to an open home, I was only going to an open home to make an offer. And I was there in the first five minutes and i put an offer in and that's how I'd win against the other investors.
0: Great. Fascinating. And you mentioned before that you were specifically looking for distressed properties. Is that how you were able to get those cheaper prices in order to be able to get it over the line? Because these people were in the situation where they needed to get an offer over the line.
1: Yeah, that's right. So distressed or, or value-add. So You've got obviously got the as is wearers properties. They fit into one category. And then the value add where you go in and it needs a paint, a new kitchen, new bathroom, things like that. So from that, all that education over the years, I can go into a property and within three or four minutes, I know the bill of what the carpet, the kitchen, the bathroom, everything's going to cost. And I also know the value out the other end. What sort of numbers did you look for in terms of margin? Being a musician back then, Anything um, that was above 10,000, 10,000 to 15,000 was a good profit for me. But then as time went on, that obviously increased. Yes, My yes, needs yes. got greater. Um, <laughs> you got an expensive taste. That's right. And a wife.
0: <laughs> In the next episode, we're going to talk about the really rosy side of buying and flips and renovates and some of the, the big numbers. But I want to ask you here what's hard about this strategy? What's the other side of that rosy picture, the things that are more difficult about the, the sort of strategies you're running?
1: The competition. You're not the only one looking for these types of properties, and when they do come up, they move very quickly. So you have to be prepared. And because we're looking for a specific thing, there's not many of them out there. So it's not like a three-bedroom mum and dad home where there's plenty of them in the market. It's a specific thing which is quite popular.
0: Well, let me ask you then, because this transitions into my next question, how did you figure out what that criteria was? Because one of the things I see first-time property investors <laughs> most often get caught up on is they go to every open home. They look at anything. But you're only looking at a very tightly defined niche of properties. How did you come to that buying criteria?
1: The way I came to that was my budget was restricting me. What could I buy a sub 300? And that led me to a certain area and a certain type of property. And then I looked at those properties and thought, how can I increase the value on these properties the most easiest and cheapest way? Everybody's doing a bathroom and kitchen. Why don't I add another bedroom? So then I researched the medium house price of three to four bedrooms in a specific area. And then that led me to go, okay, well, this is the model I want to roll with.
0: And you willing to tell us what area that is or you don't want to increase the competition?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I look at Christchurch, we have the four avenues and from Fendleton all the way around to Richmond, I call that the window wiper. So I looked, historically looked at all the prices and all the data we have from the last 20 years of Fendleton, Maryvale, St Albans, Edgeware, and you look at what's happening in the suburbs and you see St Albans getting gentrified then you see eachway're getting gentrified. What's the next one to go? It's gonna be Richmond, then it starts going around. We're also seeing that in that southern frame of the four avenues as well, in your Sydenham's, your Addington's. So. You look what's gone before you, and then you try and position yourself before it comes there.
0: And then similarly, just for anybody at home who's not in Christchurch, maybe you're in Auckland, maybe you're in Hamilton. You know, what Slade is really talking about is the suburbs that are on the outskirts of the central city, looking for the really nice ones and seeing how that growth, that kind of wealth is spreading from those nicer suburbs into those traditionally poorer suburbs. So you can apply that kind of trend, which we see across all of the major cities.
2: Now, bear in mind, this is for an investor that wants to be pretty active because these are where I cut my teeth as well. These are areas where you are going to get an old villa, you are going to have to get your hands dirty, you are going to have to spend a lot of money on renovations, you are going to have to be wary of big maintenance bills if you don't do it right, but I think that, you know, places like Linwood, for example, I reckon there's some good money there if you're wanting to be a really active investor.
0: Well, something I'm really interested talking about getting your hands dirty and being really active. I wrote this on the, the question sheet, which you asked me to send you a slate. So, so I hope you don't mind me asking this, but I'm really interested. You're about to have a baby or rather I should say you and your wife are about to have a baby, which is fantastic. I want to know, is that going to change your strategy at all and what you can do within property?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, obviously, I can have another JV partner, so we're just going <laughs> to buy more property. Yeah, someone to own the tax liability. That's right. <laughs> Help with servicing, potentially. That's right. A lot of my property deals I do with JV partners. What I can do is rely more heavily on them during this period. We bring lots of different value to our companies and what we do. So they understand what we're going through and it's exciting for everybody. So it's good to give them the reins and spread the risk a bit more as well.
0: Fantastic, and we'll talk more about those JV partners in the next episode as well.
2: Now this wasn't on the question list, but one question that I always like for someone that's an experienced investor is what was
1: your best deal and what was your worst deal? Worst deal was my first deal. The numbers looked great didn't look great on the exit where we lost $50,000. <laughs> and what oh. went wrong? <laughs> what went wrong, it was all smoke and mirrors. Cheapest is not always the best. Yes, We were repairing a property, and it's all about location. Out of Christchurch, listeners won't know where Brooklyn's is, but uh, after the earthquake, it, it doesn't really exist anymore. <laughs> so I thought it would be good buying a cheap home out there. It's a very limited market, and the repair cost, it's not always cheapest to get the, uh, the go cheapest with it, home. You
2: don't go with the cheapest quote.
1: That's right, yep, that's yep. right. Best deal, we can talk about that now. Probably the best deal we've done this year, it's a block of five units. We picked them up for $770,000. This was a block of five with five different owners, so we had to do five different negotiations and a body court. It took about six months to get the deal together. So we managed to buy these with some bad tenants and then we got them in, we refurbished them. Total money in for the refurb and the finance was 101000 Yes, So we we're up about eight eighty. Yes, Valuation we've just had in is just over 1.5 mil and rent per week is around about 2250 per
0: week. So how was it that you were able to get the valuation up so much? Is it because the registered valuer is coming in basing their assessment
1: on the yield? No, so it's based on the property itself. So we bought really well. We spent a long time trying to get that deal together. So we managed to pick up each unit roughly around 150000 each. Were they earthquake damaged? They were not. Oh. So One hundred fifty seems very, very cheap. I'm a very good negotiator. <laughs> I know. You sold <laughs> most of my stuff. <laughs> so we spent a long time trying to find this deal. It just didn't pop up. It was all off market. We went in and did some intelligent renovations, kitchen, kitchen carpet, bathrooms, nothing too extreme, but to make it look nice for the tenant. I mean, obviously we've got some really good rent returns on that as well.
0: Slade, I want to ask you as well, because you're a real estate agent as well as as a very good investor. And so you're out educating people about what they can do, what they can't do with property. What I want to know is what's something that first time investors find surprising about the way you invest in property?
1: It's probably how aggressive I am, but the aggressiveness comes from education and knowledge. Yes. So, I can go into a property and within two minutes of standing outside, I know the purchase price. I walk in and I know within a few more minutes what the renovation costs, and I also know the price out the other end. And that way I can put in unconditional offers because I have market knowledge. So it's really important for investors out there to engage with real estate agents. Keep calling them every day. Front of mind is the best place to be. Oh, Slade, you're gonna regret that comment. (laughs) What do you mean by aggressive? Because people listening to the show will Hmm. probably think, he doesn't sound aggressive. He's the softest, aggressive man I that's know. Why. That's, yeah, that's why, yeah, that's why they like me. So aggressive in terms of price and conditions. As in probably a, a low offer, but clean as hell. Very clean, yeah. I can go unconditional today and settle tomorrow. The thing is, is finding out the black swans, which we'll talk about in the next episode.
0: Yeah, and we're gonna go through exactly what you do at these open homes as well, because I know everybody's gonna be interested in that. But last question before we wrap this one up, what's something you've changed your mind about in property investing recently?
1: Something I've changed my mind about recently is saying no. So a few years ago, we would get a lot of deals and would say yes to a lot of things. But now I feel really comfortable saying no. And you talk about Bob Jones a lot on this. And in his book, he didn't buy a property for five years. And especially in a market like this, you make the most money on the day you buy. So it's great to say no.
0: Fantastic. Let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. And tomorrow, come back. We've got Slade back on talking about some more of those numbers in property investing and what he does at Open Homes. This is going to be a fascinating episode to so come back on tomorrow. And of course, if you've got a question that you'd like us to answer or a sort of guest that you'd like for us to have on the show, give us a text. Our number is 5522. It'd be great to hear from you. for listening to the property academy podcast i'm your host ed mcknight and i'm adrian McCall. and we're gonna be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies techs and insights to help you get the most out of your single property market until next time